in slavery in the land of Egypt. He was still a young man when he watched God part the waters of the Red Sea and then close those waters just in time to drown the fiercest army on earth. Joshua was still a young man, perhaps even in his teens, when God began to feed the children of Israel with manna every day. Joshua was still a young man, late teens, early 20s, when Moses invited him to climb partway up Mount Sinai while Moses himself went all the way up Mount Sinai to meet with God. Joshua was still a young man when he watched men and women whom he had grown up admiring and respecting dancing around a silly, wicked, golden idol, drunk, naked, making fools out of themselves in front of their families and friends and neighbors. He was still a young man when he watched those same people be executed by their brethren for rebelling against the Lord. Joshua was still a young man. It's estimated that he was about 20 years old when he was chosen as one of the 12 men who would go into the land of Canaan as spies to see the land. And to come back to Moses and the children of Israel with their report of what's it like in there. This land, this promised land, what's it like so they could come back and give the report so Moses could draw up a game plan for how they would go in. Joshua was still a young man when he listened incredulously to 10 of his 11 teammates report to Moses and the people of Israel in whining tones of fear and unbelief. When they should have been shouting and rejoicing in victorious anticipation with Caleb and himself. Joshua was still a young man. When he heard God declare to the Israelites. In 40 years, God said to the children of Israel. In 40 years, Joshua will go into the promised land. Now time out. We throw these numbers around when we're reading the Bible and telling Bible stories. Think about 40 years. Imagine starting something on August 20th, 1977. All right, for me, there's there's a way to put that into perspective for me because it was this past Wednesday, August 16th, 1977. We were getting ready to go to a special service at church that way. By the way, there was a special music group that was coming to the Baptist Church of Danbury. I was 10 years old. We were going to hear them that night. My father was home from work. He was upstairs getting ready. I was watching Bugs Bunny. When the newsman came on and made the announcement while I was watching Bugs Bunny that Elvis Presley had died. I was 10 years old. It was 40 years ago this past Wednesday. And we went to church that night in spite of the awful tragedy. But anyway, that helps me put 40 years in context a little bit. Imagine starting something August 20th, 1977. And all of a sudden you've got to put it on hold 
and you couldn't revisit it until today. Now, some of you aren't old enough to even put that into context, so let's reverse that. If you say, well, I can't, I can't even, I wasn't even born yet. I can't even, okay. Imagine starting something today, August 20th, 2017, and somebody comes along and says, whoa, 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 you got to stop. You got to stop right here. Walk away from it. Put it down. And you can come back August the 20th, 2057. What? That's exactly what had happened to Joshua. 40 years from now, God said to the children of Israel, Joshua can go into the land of Canaan. 40 years from now, Caleb can go into the land of Canaan. 40 years from now, everyone 19 years old and under can go into the land of Canaan. Everyone else, in the meantime, is going to die right here in this wilderness. Joshua spent most of his adult life waiting for that rebellious generation to die. Understand something, people. Those of you that say, I'm just so tired of waiting for the Lord. I'm just I get so tired. Because you've, you've been praying for something for two weeks and it hasn't happened yet. Understand. Joshua woke up every single morning in his 30s. Knowing that the promised land was just a few miles away. And he couldn't have it. Joshua woke up every single morning in his 40s knowing that the perfect will of God was just a few miles away and he couldn't have it yet. Joshua woke up every single morning in his 50s knowing. Now if you have any ambition at all, if you have any drive, any go get them at all, you know that that's enough to make to drive a person out of their mind. He woke up every single morning in his 50s knowing that the perfect will of God was just a few miles away and he couldn't have it yet. Joshua spent 40 years of the prime of his life waiting for his beloved nation to be purged of that wicked unbelieving, murmuring generation of people. It was a sad and a horrible day when Joshua and the people of Israel watched Moses walk away. They watched him walk away and start to climb Mount Pisgah. God had said to Moses, I'll let you come up on the top of this mountain. And that's where you're going to die. And I will bury you. So they said a farewell and they watched Moses walk away for the last time. And can you just imagine? Watching, he was a beloved leader. For this generation that was living when he died, he was the only spiritual leader and the only political leader they had ever known. He was all the history that most of them knew. And they're watching him walk up into a mountain where they knew 
God was going to take him off into eternity. Deuteronomy 34, let me read it for you. Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah that is over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land. Verse 5, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor, but no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural force abated. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. It was a very sad day. But at the same time, it was a glorious day. Because Moses' departure meant the official end of Israel's wilderness wanderings. It was time for Joshua to step into the role for which God had prepared for him, or had prepared him. Listen to Joshua chapter 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses had departed 30 days before, one month before. Now they've mourned for him for a full month, and now God says, okay, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Verse 6, be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Verse 9, have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Joshua is now a much older man than he was when the story began. The Lord commissions Joshua and immediately, I love this, immediately after God commissions Joshua, he turns to the people and says, I want to see all my officers. All the leaders of the people come. Get this. They buried Moses. They've been mourning him 30 days. God commissions Joshua 30 days after Moses died. Joshua turns to his officers and he says, Boys, I want you to tell your people, get ready. In three days, we're crossing the Jordan. He doesn't play. (laughs) Moses has been dead 30 days. He said, tell your people, three days, we're crossing the Jordan. Why? He'd He'd been wandering around that wilderness for 40 years. He'd been camped outside the will of God, not by his own choosing, for 40 years. Now God says, Moses is dead. We're done mourning for him. You're in charge. He turns to his office and said, go tell the people in three days we're crossing the Jordan. His officers turn to go. Joshua says, whoa, you and you. Two men step forward. Joshua said, I got a mission for you. After we cross the Jordan, first town we come to is a big, big, big town. City of Jericho. It's got tall, thick walls around it. Your mission is to go in, check it out, get the information, try to be undetected, come back, let us know what we're up against. Be back in three days. I mean, Joshua, he was ready to go. 
I mean, Joshua's, it's on, man. It's on. They go. They spy out the land. They come back three days later. They give Joshua their report. Joshua leads the people across the Jordan River. God parts the water for them. Several million Israelites, adults, children, babies, with their livestock and all their possessions, cross the Jordan River on dry ground. Israel sets up camp on the western shores of the Jordan River on the eastern border of Jericho. Forty years of patient obedience and obedient patience has brought Joshua to this historic time and place. In the evening, as an excited camp of Israelites are below settling in, Joshua... I see him on a hillside. The Bible doesn't strictly say he was on a hillside, but I see him on a hillside. And over in this valley, on this side, he's looking down at the walled city of Jericho. Forty years. And he still doesn't know how he's going to get in there. Forty years of getting to this historic moment. I think I can read Joshua's thoughts. I know God wants us to go in there. But I have no idea how to do it. I know God wants us to go in there. But I have no idea how to do it. Listen, that. I believe, is the essence of living by faith. I know God wants me in there, but I have no idea how to do it. You won't find a major character in the Bible who didn't find himself or herself in that position again and again. I know God wants me to do it. I, had, I know God wants me to take that ground. But I have no idea how. Abraham and Sarah. For 25 years they stared at the prospects of becoming a great nation. And yet their actions again and again said, I know God wants us in there, but we have no idea how to make it happen. Joseph. Pondered his own God-given dreams for nearly 20 years. And Joseph had every reason to say, and look at the names of his son. They indicate that he had said, I know God wants me to see that dream come to pass. But I have no idea how. David was anointed when he was a young man. Anointed to be the next king of Israel. And then for roughly 20 years of his life, he looked at the throne, he looked at the crown, and read his prayers, read his actions in Samuel, 1 Samuel and in the book of Psalms. And you see a big question mark, David saying, I know I'm supposed to get in there, 
but I have no idea how. That's where Joshua finds himself. He finds himself in this position of walking by faith, saying, I know God wants us in there, but I have no idea how to do it. Got to be honest with you, as I look back over my life, I've spent most of my life looking at what I knew God had for me to do and saying, I know God wants me in there, but I have no idea how to do it. When I looked at Bible college, it wasn't so much getting accepted into Bible college or, or paying my way. It was just the whole experience. I don't know if I can do this. I know God wants me there, but I don't know how to do it. When I became a, a bus captain in Chicago, I looked at a set of boundaries in northwest Chicago and realized it was my responsibility to reach those people for Jesus Christ. And I looked at other guys that seemed to have talent and seemed to have personality and seemed to have leadership skills that I didn't have. I said, I know God wants me to do this, but I have no idea how. We're looking this week at pictures from our wedding 25 years ago this past Tuesday. And as I looked back and saw that young, fat guy with all that hair, And I just relived my fear, my doubts of, man, I know, I know this is God's perfect will for my life. I know this is the lady of my dreams. I know God's in this, but I have no idea how to be a husband. As I looked at those pictures of holding each of my children, newborn, the three brand new loves of my life that I'd never met till that day, God, I know you want me to be a daddy, but I have no idea how to do it. When God called us to start a church in Brewster. God, I know you want us in there. But starting a church from nothing, that's scary. What if nobody comes? What if we can't find a building? What if, what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't work? I know God wants us in there, but I have no idea how to do it. When it came uh, to, to being full-time in the ministry, it took us for seven years, seven years of working 40, 50, 60-hour days driving a school bus, sometimes a, 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 besides pastoring and driving a school bus, another job. And for one year, 1995, the absolute worst year of my entire existence, at one point working five jobs at the same time. That was my zombie year. Don't ask me to recall a single memory from 1995. I have none except the birth of my daughter. That was it. My zombie year. I think I might have got ordained that year too, but, but we have pictures, but I don't really remember it. I know God wants me in there. It wasn't until 2001 that I finally had the opportunity to resign my job driving the bus and be full-time as a pastor. Getting a building. Standing right back at that window saying, literally, God, I know you want us in there, but I have no idea how to do it. And by the way, before I ever came and looked at this property, at least 30 other properties I could tell you about, some of were church properties, some weren't. Where I said, God, please, please, I know you want us to have a church building, but I have no idea how. Everything, the bus ministry. The radio ministry, parking outside the radio stage saying, God, I know 
You want us on the radio, but I have no idea how. The Sunday dinner, today's the 26th one, but before the first one. Four months before the first one. Brother Fred Bambico was having open heart surgery, and I, Amy and I and Mary were down in the lobby of the Danbury Hospital. And God had been putting some things together. And that's where it all just seemed to bang, the light came on. We're supposed to do something for the homeless in Danbury. And for the next couple of months, it was, I know we're supposed to do something, but I have no idea how. I'm telling you, I don't know anything about Jericho and the walls and seeing walls fall down flat, but I know the feeling of being on the hillside saying, I know we're supposed to get in there, but I have no idea how. I have about a dozen things going on right now about which I'm saying, I know God wants me in there, but I have no idea how to do it. And i got to be honest with you, I'm afraid that if I don't find myself there regularly, that I'm not living by faith. Now, three thoughts quickly. When you realize that that's where you are, if you're going to live by faith, you're going to get there again and again. I know I'm supposed to be over there, but I have no idea how to get there. If you're going to live by faith, you're going to find yourself. When you realize you're there, first of all, thank God for teaching you that it's impossible to accomplish His will in the flesh. See, when you're young and you look at marriage and it's far, far away, you go, yeah, I could do that. But when you get to that rehearsal (laughs) and you're going, bro, this is real. (laughs) This is going to happen. I'm going to be a husband tomorrow. I'm going to be a wife tomorrow. All of a sudden, you realize, I can't, I can't do this. You go right on through that list or whatever your list is. When you're young and when those things are distant, when they're just dreams, you go, yeah, I can do that. And then you get there on the doorstep. You're standing on that hillside looking down at Jericho and those walls, and you go, I have no clue. I have no I told those people over there, yeah, we're going in. I have no idea how. Stop and thank God that he's brought you to the place where you realize that it's impossible to accomplish his will in the flesh. One of your greatest hindrances to going forward is that you think you can still, you still think you can pull it off on your own. And you have to let God teach you that no, you can't. Another thing, when you find yourself in that place, I know I'm supposed to be in there, but I have no idea how to do it. Stay as close as you possibly can to the impossible task. I love it that it says that Joshua was over against Jericho. That's what makes me, leads me to believe that he probably found a hillside where he could look down in there. By the way, any smart military leader is looking for the high ground anyway. But if you're going to pray for something, you want to be in a position to see it. And there he is. If you can't get in there, whatever it is, stay as close to it as you can. I put together when I was still living in the dormitories. And I began to know that God wanted me to come back to my home area. I took a map. Remember maps on paper? I had a map on paper. I bought an entire atlas just to get this thing and then I wound up throwing the atlas away because there was a big hole on the New York page. I didn't need it anymore. This is the Hudson Valley.
I put a Bible verse on the back. They that shall be of thee shall build the old way places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. Thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths that dwell in Isaiah 58, 12. When I went to see Brother Hiles, the pastor of our church, about what God's will for my future, he said, do, you have a, do you have a map? I pulled this out and handed it to him. He looked at it. We are, in case you don't know, we're right about down here. This is the Hudson Valley. You count on one hand. You won't even need your whole hand. The number of gospel preaching, soul winning churches inside that yellow area. The thing that kept me from coming to, to Danbury when, when the people from Heritage Bible Church first came to see me, the thing that kept me from coming here is it wasn't inside this yellow area. I've been praying for this yellow area, well, honestly, since I was about 15, but when I got in college and made this map, how can I walk away from this? When I knew it was God's will to come here, it broke my heart to leave the yellow area. But I got to tell you, the yellow area is still in my heart. I still live there. I still live in the Hudson Valley. I still have a heart for the Hudson Valley. Stay as close as possible to the impossible task. Something dawned on me a few weeks ago related to the Summit, it dawned on me that I had prayed for God to help us start a church in Brewster and that there was a church uh, in Brewster, at least God started there and then brought it over here. It dawned on me that in the early 2000s as I had a job that took me down into the Bronx and I started, I had a McDonald's and I stopped there off of the Bruckner Expressway and I'd go in there to get my Coke and use the men's room and on my way out, I'd look out at that area and, and just my heart would be broken for the people inside the McDonald's and all over that area and say, God, this place needs a church. I prayed for there to be a church in Brewster. God put a church in Brewster. I prayed for God to put a church in that neighborhood off the Brun- Bruckner Expressway in 2010. God used Brother Ken Baker to put a church there. I started praying in 2010 I would go every Friday for about six months until my foot thing happened. For six months, I went every Friday, got in a van and drove down and got on Broadway in Westchester and drove, stayed on Broadway all the way down through Manhattan until I came to the Statue of Liberty and I'd get, drive back up the West Side Highway. I'd pray all the way down Broadway in 2010. Are you listening to 2010? About two or three months ago, Amy got a message from Ruth Hill, who, of course, lives in Florida now. She said, uh, we had a church planner come through. He's planning a church in New York City. I thought you'd like to check it out. And I looked at Independent Baptist Church Planner, planning a church in New York City. Two things blew me away when I read his information. Number one, that he was planning a church in the Kingsbridge neighborhood, which is the first New York City neighborhood you come to when you get on Broadway and drive south. Number two, it said right there on that website, God called me to this place in 2010. And it dawned on me right around the end of the summit. God's three for three on when I got serious about praying for churches to start. So, since the summit, among other things in my prayer life, I have dedicated an awful lot of time and energy 
If God did it three times in three places that I prayed for, I need to be praying for a whole lot more. I won't walk you through the whole thing. We don't have time. The names on my prayer list of the towns in the northern Hudson Valley. Pauling, Wingdale, Dover Plains, Amenia, Millerton, Copake, Hillsdale, Austerlitz. On up one side and down the other. The populations. And I only know of one of those places that has it. And it's, it's pastored by Agnes's brother. He's been there for over 50 years. Millerton. Outside of that, I don't know of another place that has a gospel preaching, soul winning church in the northern Hudson Valley. Then the southern Hudson Valley, that's, I've, that's my term, south of 84, Beacon, where the Chris live, Phillipstown, Cold Spring, Garrison, Peekskill, Croton on the Hudson, Austin, Terrytown, Irvington, down one side, back up the other, through Mount Vernon, Nourishell, backing up through Larchmont, Mamaroneck, Harrison, Rye, Porchester, on up. I know of three soul-winning churches in that area. There may be more. And then, of course, the Bronx. I've got 52 Bronx neighborhoods listed here. Most, I mean, the population's written next to them, and most of those Bronx neighborhoods are larger in population than most of those towns I just listed for you. Say, Pastor, I mean, we don't have a big church. We don't have a lot of money. We don't have a lot of manpower. No, but we got a big God. And once I realized that God's three for three, I said, you know what? I'm praying for these places every day. Once a month, I don't have time to tell you this story. I got to tell you this one last story. I said, when you realize that that's where you are, you're in that place where you say, I know I'm supposed to be in there, but I have no idea how. Number one, thank God for teaching you that it's impossible to accomplish his will in the flesh. Stay as close as possible to the impossible task. You can't go in, stay as close as as possible as you can. Number three, wait for God to show up with the game plan. I got to tell you this story. This is awesome. You may not think it's awesome because you may think, oh, boy, now what do I got to do? We've been going, well, let's see, I guess it was 10 years ago. No, it was longer than that, 15 years ago. We were introduced to a, a suit store. And the one we, it was a guest pre- preacher that came here, and, and the one that he took us to, it was a chain in New York City. He took us down by ground zero. And we said, man, there's got to be one. If this is a chain, there's got to be one closer to us. And that, well, sure enough, there is. There's one right on Fordham Road there. And... Um, so we've been going to that neighborhood for 15 years to buy suits. And, I mean, the, the, literally, I'm not kidding you. When, when Amy walks through the door to buy suits, the salesman, I'm not kidding you. I've seen it happen again and again. The salesman argue over who gets to wait on her. And because um, they know there's a commission coming, and it's going to be a good one. So we, we're pretty familiar with that neighborhood. Well, I, the, the, what we do now, especially since with my foot and minimizing the walking, I drop her off right at the door. She goes in, and I drive around. I usually go down to Arthur Avenue, get some bread and some cannolis, and come back, and that's usually right about the right time when she's done. But um, she goes in. Well, I drive around the block there. Well, because we have, in my mind, sort of a warm market there, not, not any people, but just I know the area, that's the Fordham neighborhood. So I started praying, God... Do something in Fordham. Put a church there. Send laborers. 
do something here. God showed me right around the corner from the church. There's a, and I don't know, this is just an idea. It all starts with ideas, I'm telling you. It's just an idea, but there's a little Lutheran church, uh, just a small building right around the corner from the, from the Portobello store. And I said, man, that'd be a great place to ask them if we can rent their building one time for a Bible study. I've been praying for Fordham, especially since the summit. I've been, okay, God, we got to put, I've been talking long enough. It's time, we got to roll here in Fordham. We got to do something here. So Monday was going to be my day to go down and pray in the Bronx. I, uh, the week before, um, I forget that, I've been, I've been up northern Hudson Valley, southern Hudson Valley. Monday was going to be the Bronx. I was going to go pray for the Fordham neighborhood. Well, Kat was here last Sunday. And uh, so by the end of Sunday night, I had said, hey, you know, my family's going to, to the teenagers going to the amusement park tomorrow. I'm going to be alone. I'll take you. Well, let's, go to, let's go to lunch tomorrow. So we went to Cracker Barrel, which, as you know, is nowhere near the Bronx. But, well, maybe you don't know that, but nowhere's near the Bronx. We went to the Bronx, and, I mean, I'm sorry, we went to Cracker Barrel, and I'm thinking, well, we're not, I'm not going to the Bronx today. I, I'll pray at home. We got talking about this thing and talking about it, and he said, he said, you remember Punkin? Punkin used to come. Now that's, okay, talk to Kat. You'll understand. Punkin's a perfectly legitimate name, all right? He said, um, he said, she used to come up to Danbury when we ran the bus up here. And he said, she's not living far away from where you're talking. Now, I don't have time to tell you how incredible this is. We wound up driving down to, to Fordham from Cracker Barrel just to see the neighborhood. And he took me straight to this, this adult lady's house, friend of his, that used to ride our bus from over in the Boynton neighborhood. Now, understand something. Okay, you understand when you go to the city, how many of you get this if you drive to the city? If, you go, if you're going to go to the airports, you're going down. I'll turn the map around to your direction. If you're going to go to the airports, you're going to go down the, uh, the east side. You're going to take the hutch. If you're going to Manhattan, you're going to go down the west side. You're going to take the sawmill, okay? Where we ran the bus, the Boynton Avenue neighborhood, that's way down in the southeast corner. I feel like I got the map turned. No, it's right. Uh, the, the, the southeast corner here, that's where the Victory Baptist Church, the, the far southeast corner. Our suit store is way up here in the, in the northwest corner. Couldn't be further. There's a million people in between those two spots. He said, I'll take, you to, I'll take you to Pumpkin's house. I'm not kidding you. He took me straight there. Not only did he take me straight there, but she was just coming after. He had called and she said, I'm not going to be there. Well, she comes walking out of the apartment building. So I pull over and I see her again. Good to see you. And he says, hey, Rev's thinking about starting a Bible study in this neighborhood. She said, I'm there. I am there. Wow, we got one. We, we got one coming already. We haven't even started yet. I get back in a car, I go to the end of her block, I turn right. Now, listen, this is in a neighborhood of 50,000 people. I turn right two blocks down, two small, not major city blocks, two small blocks down is that church that I've been looking at. And God said, hey, Joe, is your phone ringing? (laughs) Pick it up. I'm saying to you now, I'm, we got a game plan, and we'll get there. We'll look at October. I think it's going to happen in October. But I feel like I've been hanging out, looking down at this neighborhood f- 
saying, God, show us, God, show us. And I feel like God showed up like he did here. And this is where we'll end. Like he did here, God showed up. It says that the captain of the Lord's host, while, while, while Joshua was looking down at that city going, I know we're supposed to go in there. I know we're supposed to go in there, but I have no idea how. The captain of the Lord's host shows up and says, here's how you're going to get in there. Joshua falls down and worships him because this is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. Joshua falls down and worships. And the Lord says, he gives him the game plan. And you know the game plan. March around, day one, day two, seven days, seven days, march around seven times, blow the trumpet, shout, and the walls will fall down. I'm saying to you, if you're standing in that place, because you've been walking by faith, you're standing in that place where you say, I know we're supposed to get in there, but I have no idea how. Thank God that he's taught you that you can't do the impossible in the flesh. Stay as close to the impossible as you possibly can in prayer. Keep it before the Lord in prayer and wait for the Lord to show up. Let's stand together this morning. Father, thank you so much.